morning, everyone, and welcome to the masterclass today. I'm Kate Moan. I'm Director of Member Engagement at the Northern Housing Consortium. And we've got two colleagues with us uh, from MediaWorks who will be delivering the session today. So welcome as well to Joe Edge, who's Business Development Manager, and Johnny Pears, who's Head of CRO. Um, MediaWorks are a supporter member of the Northern Housing Consortium. And supporters really help us to just broaden our offer to members and make sure that we can bring your expertise right across um, all areas of your business and obviously MediaWorks have got a huge amount of expertise and experience in this area. They work with housing associations but also with a range of, of other sectors as well. So the webinar today um, is looking at how we can build a comms plan that's sort of truly effective and I think to be truly effective it's got to be customer focused. Um, this session is part of a series and at the last one we discussed the types of data that we should be collecting about our customers and the ways that we can use that data and don't worry if you weren't at the last one there is going to be a bit of a recap on that um, this morning. But today's session is about how we use that data. So whether you've got a large team behind you or you're just in a team of one, Joe and Johnny are going to sort of focus on the most effective way to communicate with customers, but with a view to sort of keeping your costs as low as you can while keeping your customer um, satisfaction as, as high as you can. Um, we'll also be talking through some great case studies as well from Yorkshire Water and, and Home Group. So my son has just entered the room, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you can catch him on the camera, but here he is. Um, please do ask questions as you go. You don't need to wait until the end. There's the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen and Joe and Johnny will just pick those up as they're, they're talking through. So I think that's enough from me. I'm going to hand over now, I think, to Joe to get us started. Thanks, Joe. Lovely. Thanks, Kate. Morning, everyone. Hope you're all well, safe, um, having, a, having a good week so far. Um, I think it's all a little bit, a little bit crazy, and I'm sure the same as us, you guys will be working between office and home and everywhere else in between. Um, so I think the, the, the purpose of today's um, sort of masterclass is, we, as, as Kate mentioned, we want to talk you through kind of um, how, to, how to communicate effectively with your, with your tenants, with um, potential tenants, um, through a user-centric communication plan. Um, and we'll talk you through in a little bit more detail about what that means. Um, so as Kate mentioned, I'll give you a really, really brief overview of, of MediaWorks and kind of who we are. Um, so we're a full-service digital agency um, based in the Northeast, as you can probably tell from, from my accent. You'll definitely be able to tell by Johnny's accent when he gets on. Um, we um, have a... Um, there's about 120 of us, 115, 120 of us now. Um, it's about 15 staff in Leeds currently. Um, the rest of the workforce is up here in the Northeast. Um, we're a Bing Premier Partner um, and a, a Google Premier Partner as well. Um, I think one of the one of the key things and, and one of the things we kind of want to get across today is um, everything we do as, a, as an agency and everything that we would um, always kind of encourage any, any partners to do is everything is based in data. Um, and we're going to talk through where those kind of data sources come from and how we utilize that data. Um, for us as an agency, we have we have several data sources. So be that coming through from, from Google as a, as a partner and the data that they'll send us through to kind of support our campaigns, be that data that comes through from Microsoft, Bing, um, Yahoo on some of the campaigns that, that they're seeing and some of the trends that they're seeing within the sector, um, be that through, through Facebook and our partnership with them from a social level, how are users interacting? And I think there's there's never a week goes by where as users and end users ourselves, we don't change our, our online and sort of digital behavior. Um, we all know that we something fancy will come out one week and within two weeks, that is second nature. And if a website doesn't offer that, we start to ask why. Um, 
So we need to understand what those trends are and hopefully it's something that we can then pass across to, to the rest of our partners um, and pass across, you know, without as being a support member of the NHC. Um, we want to make sure you guys are as clued up as possible. Everything that we're hearing, I want to pass on to you guys to make sure that, that you guys can kind of benefit from that as well. Um, so we work with quite, quite a few people um, within the sector. We're in the midst of quite a few projects, large digital transformation projects, um, which I imagine, again, a lot of you are going through we're seeing a huge shift across the sector at the moment um, of users moving towards digital, um, not just from a marketing and communications perspective, but more from a business process perspective. Um, so looking at business efficiencies and how digital and data can actually aid the, the efficiencies and the um, sort of budgetary requirements of, of, of running a business um, or running a, a housing association. Um, so across the sector, I think I think we're seeing um, there's, there's there's a lot of common trends as I just kind of mentioned, and I think one of the one of the key things is that it's quite a sort of a um, sort of a circular nature. Um, we see a lot of a lot of sort of partners are always looking to cut costs, but by increasing efficiency. That doesn't necessarily mean reducing budget or, or reducing staff numbers or anything like that. But it's understanding that budget is not infinite. We would all love it to be, but it's not. So how can we make sure that that budget goes further? How can we make sure that if you're investing in software, in people, in um, partnerships, how can we make sure that that is utilized as well as possible? Um, and the main, the main shift that we're seeing across this sector, the same in a lot of other service-led sectors, is this shift towards self-serve. Um, Obviously, I think it's a, it's a bit of a buzzword in the sector at the moment. I'm sure it's something that all of you guys will have as part of your plan. If you're not currently working through it, it will be part of your plan for over the next two years to deliver a self-serve process. Um, obviously, we, we also want to be looking at creating kind of a, um, a singular data hub, um, almost a, a point of truth for, for your organization, something where the whole business can learn from, they can speak to, and actually make sure that everybody across the business, be that you work in finance, repairs, communications, you're all understanding the user on the same level and you're all actually working together towards that common goal rather than sitting as separate departments that have nothing to tie you together. Um, we also, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the process we talk through today, um, because, because of the, the, the nature of the, of the, of the call, we are going to focus it more towards um, tenant engagement from a housing association point of view. But I think something to note is this um, strategy that we're going to run through can also be replicated for internal use. Um, everybody wants to increase efficiencies across staff internally as well. Um, and if we can use some of these methods to understand who your staff are and how we could better um, support them in their in their day-to-day -day working lives, um, then that's got to have a really, really positive impact on, on business as well. Once we've looked at kind of cutting costs and in increasing efficiency across both internal and, and external communications and processes, um, that's naturally going to lead to an improved customer service. Um, when, we, when we talk about self-serve, it's not about giving the user a means to just be able to do it all themselves and leaving them to it. It's about understanding the problems that they have and how can we help better their experience online. Um, if we can address somebody's concerns within two clicks from the homepage, we understand that actually they'll go on that, their, their curiosity will be settled, their problem will be, will be solved. Therefore, we, we go, we're going to naturally see reduced waiting times on through from call centers. We're going to be able to therefore prioritize our uh, resources and respond quicker to um, tenants who are actually having proper real problems, you know, real unique issues that need to be solved straight away. Um, and I think you'll all know, and I, I know I certainly know that there's nothing worse than calling in when, you, when you've got a problem and then hearing Katy Perry fireworks 30 times over before you actually get through to a real human being. Um, 
if you're not in the best mood possible to start with, it's not going to help. So we want to be able to understand how can we prioritize the, uh, your internal resource to, to be used towards those users who have got a unique problem that, that needs solving. Um, once we understand what that unique problem that needs solving is, we can then actually use that data to make strategic decisions. Um, strategic decisions, again, as a business. So data to this is key. Data to make any decisions as a business is key to be able to make sure that you're making an informed choice. Um, so that can be anything, again, from the way that you um, book a repairs process um, right the way through to how your tenants might pay or how they might um, get in touch with yourselves. We can make strategic decisions based on the resource that we now have available through that efficiency um, and that improved customer service. Um, we can start to use that to drive all of our other sort of decision-making um, processes across the business. So as, um, as, as Kate mentioned, um, to give you guys a quick recap on, on the, the, the last kind of masterclass that we ran, we talked about these um, data sources that you have, and we all have them. And whether we know that we have them or we don't, they are there. And it's a matter of understanding how we can actually get access to them and how we can pull them into a, um, an understandable format that, that can kind of move across the business. So on the, on, on the last call, and I think if, if there's any questions around that data gathering in a little bit more detail, please feel free to reach out to myself, Johnny, Jason, Kate, I'm sure would, would be more than happy to kind of point us, point you in our direction. If you want to have a quick five minutes just to kind of run through, this is this is what you guys could be doing internally. This is the access to data that you've actually got. Um, but we looked at um, internal analysis. We looked at competitor analysis. Competitor analysis for yourselves is more looking at your peers um, and it's looking at who else is part of that um, Part of that process when a, when a tenant is looking to engage with, with with yourselves who else what are their what are the other decisions that they might need to make um what's that external analysis we can then look at those internal strengths and weaknesses external opportunities and threats um and that'll help us understand the key issues that we need to address um as an organization and i think understanding those key issues is vital because if we don't understand what we're what we're up against and what we're tackling then we're really going to struggle however purpose of today's call is hopefully you guys will all understand the, the challenges that you face over the next 12, 24, 36 months, but we need to understand how we can approach that in a way that um, speaks to different tenants on their level. Um, there's not just a one solution that fits all, and therefore we need to understand the, the struggles that each individual tenant will face um, and how we can help make sure that our, our approach and our communication strategy and our online experience um, is tailored and is personalized to them. They've got something really key that, that we want to get across. Um, so we want to turn that data into an actionable output. Um, we want to be looking at, um, if, we, if we take a key issue and we'll talk you through a couple of case studies and where we've addressed this, again, very aware that there's nothing worse than probably sitting on, a, on an event and there's, not a, there's no takeaways, there's nothing that, that kind of proves that this is actually really possible. This is really accessible to everybody who's going to be on this call. Um, it's just a matter of going through this process. So if we if we took um, potentially a problem like um, reporting a repair, reporting a repair is going to be very, very different for me as an end user, as opposed to somebody who might be in their early 70s as an end user, as opposed to somebody who might um, live in a different area of the, of the country as an end user. We're all going to have different problems and we're all going to have different um, opportunities and threats to, to why we need this problem solving straight away. Um, so what that means is we need to understand our users um, and we need to understand exactly who our users are on our website, be they 
be them tenants or be them potential tenants, we need to understand who they are, what affects their life, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them feel strong, what makes them feel weak. Um, and we need to empower that because they will see yourselves as a point of safety. And if they lose that trust in yourselves, um, we're likely to lose them as a tenant. And we all know that we would rather have tenants who are with us for, for years and years to come that we can kind of grow that community around. Um, so, as I mentioned, I think um, we need to know our users. We want to make sure that everything from your website, your app, um, any communication that, that kind of goes out, we need to make sure that it is tailored towards those users and those unique users um, and understanding those, those pain points that, that they kind of feel. Um, Johnny, I think one of, the, one of the key things that we probably touched upon last time, and I think will be good to go into a little bit more detail, was um, understanding that through, through a website, obviously, we can, we can set up Google Analytics and we can understand that, that data that we can track through that, but how is that useful for an exercise like this? Yeah, so like you were saying before, there isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to, to customers and users. And, and mapping that journey out from start to finish, um, obviously Google Analytics sits as part of that and allows you to get some of that data. Mapping that whole journey isn't all just about, I think it's important to say it isn't all just about mapping what they do on a website. It is mapping from the start of an issue, the rising of a problem, all the way to the end of the solution to really start to understand how a user feels emotionally what like joe says is the frustrations the pain points and also so like the triggers that are happening within there um once they come to a site though we can use tools like google analytics to really understand at what point of that journey have they came to the website at what point have they turned to us to sort of say where is this information and trying to find this information and using google analytics we're able to kind of see where people are landing on the site, where people are coming off the site, the channel shift, where they go between mobile, the desktop, um, what are they most likely to use when they come to the site between the different um, device types and really start to understand how they move around and, and what they're looking for on site. Um, it'll show the length of time that people are spending on pages. So which type of content are they taking in a little bit more and which type of content are they not reading or not understanding as well? Um, and it just will allow that insight to really start to understand how your website affects the journey of the user. And now we can really start to understand and see how we can positively change something for that user and, and make that end outcome a more positive experience. I think, I think one of the really key things there, Johnny, and I know one of the things we've seen across a lot of projects is um, we would... For, for a lot of our clients, and we, we work across kind of a, a, a range of sectors. So for a lot of people who work in a traditional, um, let's say an e-commerce business, we would set up tracking to make sure that we can get as many people to um, convert on a website as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, for, for a process like this, we, can, we, we potentially want the opposite of that. And actually what we want is we want to have fewer people calling in. Um, and we can understand what are the pages that people come through to, through the data, through analytics, that people, users are coming onto that page and they are calling at the call centers. If we can understand that that's the page where people are calling from, we can hopefully take a step backwards and speak with the customer call center teams or, or people internally to say, what are the most common calls that you're getting? And how can we actually head that off on this page before somebody calls? Because if it's a really, really simple answer and if it's the same answer every time, it's something we can replicate across the website. And I think it's 
a, a, a really, really good point you made is that analytics data is it's set in stone. It is numbers and it is there is nothing that we can argue. We are understanding exactly what our users are doing. I think as 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 marketers, we can always have a really, really nice vision on how we're going to create a website and how users are just going to come to this page and it's going to be amazing. They're going to have all the information that they need. It's very rarely the case because users are fickle and users are different and it will change on a monthly basis based on a whole load of external factors. So one of the key things um, and one of the key takeaways from the last session was make sure that you've just got Google Analytics turned on and all of those points of contact to yourselves. Make sure that people are, um, that you're tracking that data because if you can understand that for every thousand calls that you get in, 600 of them are related to the repairs page, well then do you know what? There's probably, that's probably the same problem or it's a very similar issue. How can we make sure that we help users understand how to self-serve? Um, and it doesn't have to be a massive transformation project to turn users to self-serve. It's just understanding what their problems are and, and providing them with a solution before they need to speak to a, to a human and, and take some of that resource, as we mentioned before, um, therefore making that customer service um, slicker, but also a lot more efficient. I think one of the one of the second forms of data that we can we can gather and we that we use to then pull together these user stories is we can using analytics we can we can make that assumption that um, so we can we can have a very very clear view on the areas that people are struggling with and those friction points. However, there's still a lot of information on those pages. Um, there's a lot of information at each stage, um, and I think what's what's really key here is we would look at implementing um, heat maps and polls. I think Johnny, from from your experience, um, what's the difference between kind of heat maps and polls, and I think how how does that benefit users as a secondary layer of, of data? Yeah, so like you're saying, Google Analytics really shows us where a, an issue might be happening on a site, or, or really highlights an area of a site that we need to sort of focus on. But until you're able to actually see what users are doing on those pages, you don't really understand enough around the issue that's happening there. Um, we like to give away information around this, the sort of softwares we use. And, and for this, we use Hotjar, um, which does have a free version. So people can can add that to the site. I think you can put up to three three heat maps or three pages on, on there anyway as a, as a little trial. So it's definitely worth having a look into in terms of what it does. So it allows us to see what users are doing on a page and see where the friction points are happening on page. So if you can see the heat map that's slightly to the right there, that shows clicks. So we can now see where users are going on the page, what they're clicking on, what they're moving across, where they're, they're sort of moving around the page and, and the things that are really standing out in their journey. I think um, there's a key point to note in this that we can also see movement in this as well. So users tend to, when they're reading something that, that they're really trying to take in, tend to hover a mouse across the information that they're reading. Um, so you can really start to understand the content that they're reading and the content that they're struggling to get or, or not really understanding based on the movement that they have around that. Um, if you look at the heat map that sort of sits behind, that's a scroll map. So that allows us to see how far down a page that the user's scrolling. So from that, we can kind of see that if you've got some information about repairs or how to report a repair that sits at the bottom of a page, but 30, 40% of your users aren't making it that far down the page and instead are just calling a phone number that's up in the navigation, that could be an issue. And that could be something that by just switching around what's happening on that page could solve a lot of, a lot of problems. 
numbers and take away some of that cost to the to the call center as well in terms think, of oh go for it yeah sorry i was going to say and i think i think one of the one of the really key things for a lot of people is is adoption um and we could all be working on the most exciting um new platforms most exciting new new schemes and and and, and sort of um projects within the business but if people don't pick it up it, it never has a chance to actually succeed and i think one of the key things you just mentioned there again johnny is if we're not positioning that correctly throughout that online journey um, we never has, we never stand a chance of getting that adoption because if, if we if we realize that it's below the fold and only 10% of people are going below the fold, well then only 10% of tenants who come on the website are actually ever going to see that. We've lost 90% before we even start the project. So access, I think, to these to these kind of tools and this kind of information, again, becomes invaluable. Um, and the quicker that we set it up and the quicker that we action it, the larger that data set we have is. So when we need to make those informed decisions, um, we can. Um, so um, I think once we've got all that data, we've got all that data in one place, we then look at um, user discovery sessions. Um, and obviously one of the key things here is we can make assumptions based on data. Um, however, we still wanna to speak to real human beings um, because there has to be an element of human intuition here, which says, what do you want? What do you need? And I know Johnny, the last four months of your life have been spent inside discovery sessions um i don't want to bring it bring it back up but could you could you just talk us through quickly how that how that kind of works um and what what that output is probably more importantly yeah definitely so the way we kind of work is a lot of well the housing agencies and the utility companies that we've worked with all seem to have like a scrutiny panel or or a panel of users that we've been able to speak to but you could open this up to, to all tenants you could open it up to um, a large majority of them at least and and have those general conversations with them where you're asking them how they've used the website, really getting to understand where their points of, of pain are, where the frustration points are, and starting to understand how you could help them a little further. Because within the data that you see from a website, yeah, you can't argue with the numbers, you can see where people are clicking, but you're not really getting somebody's actual honest opinion on those. And, and some of these users can come up with some really good ideas as well. So we've had a few where they just they mention and talk to about how, for example, not understanding their responsibilities with regards to repairs and things like that, where we've been able to take a step back and go, how can we serve this content up as early as possible to this user? Because, you know, if these people are actually saying it and have these actual questions, then you know that this is genuine content that needs to happen on the website. I mean, we've spent time and I mean, we designed the last the last site that we did working in a call center with a housing association. So we could actually hear the, the sort of calls that were coming in and really start to understand what these users were worried about, what, what were sort of getting upset about or, or what they really wanted to know more about. And it allowed us to sort of ask additional questions on the back of that as well. So really talk to these users and get them into a group and have that open discussion where we're kind of, they're bouncing ideas off each other, we're talking to them, running our ideas past them, it really gets that honest insight into how we can, you know, solve solve issues for these people. Absolutely. And I think I think it's a really, really good way as well, just to once we once you've pulled together that data to make sure that that data is true. Um and, and by by running that past real tenants, real examples to say, this is where we feel like some of the friction points are, and this is what we've identified through data. It's a really good way to uh, sort of qualify that. Um, 
I've just seen we've got a question just before we move on to the next section. Um, it's just come through and it is, um, are there any other online data sources that we can access and use apart from those already mentioned? Um, in terms of tools, are there any you would recommend which would be helpful for us? Um, I think from, from my side and Johnny, I'm sure you'll, you'll probably know a few more, but I think there's, there's tools like um, Also Asked, um, which is a, a good tool to use online. Um, we all use Google to ask questions. Google knows more about us probably than we do, which is a little bit terrifying. And that's a completely different masterclass altogether. Um, it's, a, it's a dark place to go into. But um, I think what's, what also asked does is it, it gives us the most commonly asked questions around our brand, around our sector. And we can understand those kind of informational search queries where people might be searching and saying, what's the best way to pay my rent online? Or um, how do I report a repair on the X website? Um, if we can understand those kind of questions, again, that people are searching into the Google search bar, and the reason that they're searching in there is because they can't find them on your website. So it gives us a really, really good overview of how users want to use our website, but they've had to turn to a different source to be able to find that answer. Um, from your side, Johnny, is there any, any other tools that you know are kind of freely available or we can get access to, to trials for? I think in terms of, I think the best one for me is always gonna go back to social media. Yeah. People are so honest on social media and they will be talking about these your brand, other brands without you even knowing about it. And I think the best thing to do is always just go and search for your own brand name or search for people who are, you know, not, not direct tenants, but people who, you know, the terms around around what these tenants will be looking for within social media sites, within Twitter, within Facebook, and just see the kind of comments that are coming up. Also, people will be asked and leaving comment the comments on the sort of social posts that you'd be putting out there. And it's just really listening, like you were saying there, Joe. Like people will put things on social media that they probably wouldn't ask a call center, things like that, that they'll want the friends to answer rather than ringing a call center to talk about. And it's when you, when you kind of think of it from that respect, you're getting that information before somebody's even came to the website or even came to a call center to ask those questions. You're already getting that and can probably deal with that before they, they've made that decision or, or had that friction point of making that visit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, hopefully hopefully that answered, answers kind of the question. Um, but I think what, what we can also do again, um, as a kind of as an action point on the back of this, if anybody does have any questions and they need some links through to tools that we use or anything like that, please again, feel free to get in touch. Happy to send you across URLs or the names or tools, etc. I think these are the kind of things where if you guys can be implementing it now, you're gonna benefit from it in three months time. And nobody wants to get to the point in three months time where they need it, but they don't have that database behind them. So, so we wanna kind of, we wanna be ahead of the game um, and the best place to start is, is as soon as possible. Um, so I think we, we've kind of, we, we kind of touched upon this and, and just to kind of go back through that quite quickly, this, all of these different data sources um, will work well together because we can therefore qualify and therefore quantify that data. Um, so we want to pull it all into one place and we want to understand that we're not just speaking to 10 tenants and saying, how would you want the website to work? And they go, oh, I'd love it if it was blue and we make it blue. You know, we want to really understand what that user, what it means to them how we can make these changes and how we make these changes for not just one persona group, not just one tenant group, but a, a, a solution that's going to meet the needs of everybody. 
um, that might be slightly tailored depending on different areas of the website that different users will go through to. Um, one of the one of the really key things here, and, and we've alluded to it a few times, but is that content that's on the website. Um, and if we understand again, it, it is a matter of understanding and it's a matter of sort of qualifying, but if we can understand those problems and we can qualify that they are real and that we have a real solution for them, we need to make sure that our content reflects that. Um, I think Johnny to kind of talk us through that content audit process um, and how that works. Again, more importantly, what that output is would, would be really useful. Yeah, so in terms of content audit, we'll approach this from a couple of different angles. So we'll obviously look through through the current website. We'll understand the sort of content that's on there, what um, what it's sort of ranking for in terms of search volume. And we'll also look out in terms of what people are searching for within Google. Are they, are they searching for like the examples on there, eviction notices or how to pay your rent or um, certain terms that might be used within um like certain jargon terms we'll call them that that they don't fully understand um or are we calling i don't know well an actual example of it was um power cuts for one of our clients they were calling them um electric blackout electric blackout notifications but we would know them as as power cuts and that's what people were searching for, but that wasn't the content that the, the company had on their website. So users were coming to the website searching for power cuts, not able to find the content and leaving. Um, and so essentially what we want to do is look at the areas on the site in which are missing the key content that users are looking for. And how do we get that content on site to also help their need, but also like we say, go back to that reducing calls to the, the contact center for answering simple questions where we could have that content on site. Completely, completely. And I think, again, it comes down to if, if we can understand our users through data and what they're searching for, we can therefore provide a solution. Um, and I think we all want to provide a solution. It's going to help efficiencies coming back to the first point we made. Um, if we can provide that solution, it's going to help that adoption for self-serve. Um, until we do that, if users, you'll do the same, I'll do the same. If we can't find a solution on the website, we will ring in or we will email and we will get frustrated because we won't get through straight away. Um, and I think that's where when, when we look at efficiencies, if we can answer that question straight away, if someone's having a power cut, they're having a pretty rubbish day. Um, they're not in the best place. They've got no power. They're worried about how they're going to make their tea. The kids are coming home from school. They need to put the washing on. It's just, it's never good timing. Um, so the, the more we can understand where users go when they have a problem like that, and the, the, the more efficiently that we can kind of provide them with a solution, um, the better that customer satisfaction is going to be. And therefore, actually, it's going to reduce the reliance upon internal resource, which frees them up to solve some of these larger issues, which are happening with, with tenants and slightly more troubled accounts, et cetera. Um, which I'm sure, again, all of, as businesses, we would all love to have more time to deal with those problems more efficiently. Um, it's going to help with retention numbers, um, et cetera. So, all that information is great and as, as a process hopefully you can understand that it that it works however unless it's put into a an, an actionable output it is a pipe dream and it's just a fancy process and until and until we have something in front of us that we can all work from um it, it it's it's just it, it's just something we would we would like to have so when we talk through a um an output, what, what we would always recommend is that you, you pull together a discovery report. Um, and that discovery report is gonna be a full version of everything we've just talked through. 
So that's going to be all of your website analytics data. It's going to be all of the demographic insight that you have from potentially even internal resources, um, internal databases on, on customers. We can understand who your users are through demographic insight. We can understand what they do when they come through the website and match that data up. We can understand what the website understandings and findings are. So who are they? What do they do on the website? And what do they have trouble with? What are their friction points? Or if we do poll and survey findings, what do they want to do? And what can't they do? Or what do they want to do that they've seen somewhere else that they would love to be able to do? We talk about user experience reviews and findings. What elements of the website just don't work? Or what elements of the website solve that problem, but people can't find the solution? It's too far down the page. It's on a hidden page. It's not clear or it's using the wrong terminology. Um, and therefore, that then feeds into what that content audit is and what that gap analysis is. And we pull that together into a discovery report, which is one central hub for all of your user data. And essentially, that becomes almost like a, like a rule book, a Bible on how to cater to your tenant um, and, and how to understand them and what they need. And that is based on qualified and quantified data. Um, and that becomes when we when we talk to start about having that one true data set that the whole business can rely upon. This means that every time there's a business, you come across a, a problem and it might be that you need to re reduce. Um, it might be, let's say, rent payments by if they're 60 days overdue, you will want to reduce them down to, to 45 days. And, and the finance team are really pushing on that for 2021. Well, then. We can use this to understand, well, who are our users who, who struggle with payment? What are the problems with the payment pages? How can we make that easier? How can we make that more self-sufficient? How can we move users towards self-serve? Um, all that information is in there for all different departments of, of the business. Um, and it's something that because all of this data is, is live and because it is constantly growing, this document can, can evolve. It can, it can grow. It can change every quarter, um, every year, every two years, because we want to keep up to date with what our users are struggling with. Because I can guarantee now, the problem that they're having today will be a different problem that they're having in 12 months time because the world of digital and the way that they interact with websites, with mobile devices, with apps will change because the landscape is going to change. Um, so what we, what we create as an output on the back of this, um, and I know Johnny, you'll, you'll go into this in a little bit more detail, but we, we want to create a set of personas. Um, I'm sure you will all have personas internally for who your tenants are. Um, and personas at a very, very basic level will tell us who they are, how old they are, probably what their occupation is and why they are a tenant or what kind of tenant they are. Um, nice information to have, but it, how does that link through to the, the full discovery report that we've just talked through and all of that data? How do we make sure that that is actionable? If, if Jane is a time precious mother or Colin is ready for retirement, nice information to have, but how do they book a repair? How do we make sure that that process is more efficient for them? And they're gonna do that in both in very, very different ways. Um, I think from, from your side, Johnny, would you, would you be able to just talk us through um, a little bit more about kind of user personas and, and what you would recommend people include as that sort of secondary and um, sort of information that, that we want to have in there? Yeah, definitely. So the way we kind of approach personas is, is building out a whole, the whole viewpoint of a person. We don't just want to look at it from you know, like Joe says, having those couple of little nice to have bits of information because this person will be going through a lot. They will, like I mentioned earlier, the journey doesn't just begin when they land on your website and it isn't just that little bit of information in between. They will have a lot of things going on in their life whereby we need to kind of understand all of these elements in, in order to serve them best on here. 
like Joe says, that we had we had that time precious mother. She's got a lot going on on her plate. She's got a lot happening. She needs information as quick as possible and the, the, the least stress way of possible as well. Like, it, and it's just understanding how we can sort of serve those are best. So in terms of a persona, the way we kind of pull this together is we give a bit of a bio, we give a, a bit of an understanding, we understand the sort of age demographic. This can be taken from Google Analytics, it can be taken from the current data that you you have on, on internal systems, and just really understanding from that probably a level of um, use around IT and technology and things like that, like what are they used to, and, and really starting to understand, you know, what kind of websites do they go on regularly, do they do online banking, like how savvy are they, and, and how we can serve serve them in a way that they're used to and what how they'd expect that to be uh, we look at objectives so we want to understand what they want from this journey not just what they want from on the website but what are they wanting from the journey as a whole we've put here is this example that he's looking for a new home yes he might come to the website to look for an individual property but his journey doesn't just start once he lands on the website his journey starts right at the start when he's understanding what his affordability is and how much he can afford to put towards property and making sure he doesn't go past that budget how do we serve him that content as well on this journey we look at emotion oh, are you going to just pop in no there? no 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 please continue <laughs> <laughs> no but um we look at emotion in terms of um we, we're talking here about how he's excited but a bit cautious and quite ambitious so what we want to do is is feed content in to these users based on the emotion. If somebody's really stressed, the last thing you want to do is give them 10 paragraphs of text to read with jargon within there that they're not gonna understand and get really frustrated around. But similarly, if they're wanting to come to the site because they're quite excited around finding a new property, do we want to show them more sort of aspirational photos of properties that they could potentially be living in just to really get them excited and, and help that buy-in process and just help them really make take that next step with you as a as a housing association uh, we look at needs and motivations so needs and motivations can cover a lot of things in terms of what the objective is but all of the little questions that they'll have within there so we've got here that obviously he's looking for a home but we've got his needs and motivations are that he's wanted to have a home to call his own he wants to get on the property ladder he wants to have a, con a home that he's in control of and there's just a lot more needs and motivations within there than just looking at a simple objective so in that sense we can start to, to order the content around it and, and make sure that he's, he's getting the information he needs at the right time in that journey as well we've got frustrations and fears that work in a similar way in terms of we look at the different frustrations that he could have as a user and not just in terms of the content on the site but is it i don't know a lack of knowledge for him being able to use the website does he not expect the website to work in a certain way is he um, a bit confused around how he would pay his rental payments or his affordability and things like that? And it then allows us to understand, can we add in calculators into this to help him budget? Can we help him understand that, you know, on top of this payment, he's got to pay um, electricity and water and what an average payment in his area is, just so he gets a little bit of an understanding and, and it kind of helps him on that journey through the site and remove some of that frustration and fear that he has when he's on the site. We've also pulled in future aspirations because like let's say this journey doesn't have this just on-site journey. We want to make sure that this tenant is served not only to the point where he's found a property, but what do we do after that as well? 
what is his next steps? Is he going to look to move into that property and then is he going to potentially come back to us looking for repairs or maintenance or anything like that so we need to know that further down the line what is his next step is he looking to start a family so have we got to really start thinking about how we get properties in front of him that aren't just a one-bedroom flat but potentially putting some sort of related homes in front of that that might have two or three bedrooms just to help them understand what's available to him and, and what his next steps are there uh, we understood for these the financial status as well um, it was some information that we were able to, to talk to users about and anonymously they were able to allow us to get that from that uh, quantitative data when we sent out the surveys they were quite happy to share the sort of level of financial status so it allowed us to really understand a level of pressure that they might be feeling when they come to the site when they're looking for a new home or if they're coming to the, the site and like we say, they haven't got much savings aside or anything like that, but they're seeing homes that are far too expensive for them. That's just going to turn them off from this straight away. So it allows us to really get an insight of how do we feed them into that journey? And, and at what point do we start putting costs in front of them? Are they very cost-led? Or is cost something that comes a little bit after once they found a home that they really like? And how do we serve this audience? So the current relationship and how we serve this audience, it's kind of fall within the same, the same area. So we talk around... Um, what they know about us as a brand, how do they know us, where, where have they heard of us from, and sort of how we can serve them in the specific ways. And, and all those sort of pull from all these different aspects in terms of putting the right content in front of the user, making sure they understand the process, making sure that we're putting houses in front of them that are affordable and understanding their levels of affordability. And it, all of this information just feeds in to the ability for us to to map out a full journey for this user on our site absolutely and i think um, it's not the, one of the one of the key things to relate back as well as this we we can probably never as again as, as as housing associations as marketers you could never truly say that we understand our tenants until we have this information um, and until we understand our tenants we can never fully serve them the information and the best possible customer service we can we can have a really good go at it and we can say we think we know who our tenants are and we think this is the best way that we we can approach them but without all these different factors taken into account um we can't give them that fully unique communication approach um if we've got this we can understand the channels that they want to be approached on where they feel safest and how we can make them feel confident in in us you know us as a brand and as an organization so i think until you are doing these things and until they are mapped in a very very um easy to easy to navigate and easy to digest format um we can't we can't truly say that we, we understand our tenants um we did have one one question and i'm, I'm quite aware of time so we'll, we'll move through the rest the rest quite quickly but um are there any any tools that we would use johnny to kind of map out some of these personas um what what would you kind of recommend again i appreciate we can probably send around a couple of names but what 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 do you and the guys kind of use internally so internally we used a tool called Miro to map these out so we will Miro is essentially a, an online whiteboard that allows a lot, a lot of collaboration to happen um, as an agency and partner with with housing associations we found real use of this because we've been able to build out these personas but working alongside um, the, our, our partners within the, within each housing association in terms of everybody's able to feed into this 
you know, everybody's in these discovery sessions, everybody's seeing the data that's available, everybody's reading the discovery report. So everybody's having a little bit of an idea of, of all these additional features that we can add, a little bit of um, understanding the fears and frustrations of somebody. And everybody can feed into this, into Miro, in terms of it being a collaborative of whiteboard. And it also offers some really good templates in there as well. So you can just jump in there and, you know, have a persona template already built that you can then start to drop your information into. And, you know, it gets you, gets you started straight away, really. Absolutely. And I think, I think for everybody on the call, again, if you don't have these personas, it's a really, really good place to start. And even if each persona has got three bits of information in that you've got now, if you can keep building on that, it becomes a work in progress. Um, I hate to say it, personas will never be finished because users will change and their behaviors will change. It is an ongoing process, but if we can understand who they are now, um, we can make sure we're catering for them and for what they want in the future. Um, I think you, you kind of covered this off, Johnny, um, but we'll just to move through it really quite quickly. Um, once we've got all that information through from these um, tenants and we've got it all in one digestible format, we then need to understand as a business, what are our key goals for the next year? What are our key calls to action? What are our key conversions? across our online and our through our communication channels. Um, and if we can map out what each of those stages are, we can then understand how each of these users will react to that. So be that paying your bills, reporting a repair, engaging with a new home, um, moving, looking at changing house, looking at leaving as a tenant. Um, if we can understand all those key points, we can then map those out to each persona. Um, and again, having that persona is great, understanding the information, but we need to make sure there's an action plan on the back of that. Um, and again, I imagine we would do this, or sorry, well, I know we would do this through through Miro and we would map this out. Um, these again are ongoing processes and are never finished, but without these user journeys, it's impossible to build a website that is informed. Um, it's impossible to build an app that is informed. It's impossible to run a communication strategy that is tailored to your um, your customers without having this information that you can draw upon. Anything outside of this is a bold assumption and a, and a, and a hope that it's the right, the right strategy to move forward with. Um, obviously with, with user journeys, we're, we're, obviously once we understand our audience, we're gonna be looking at what those objectives are, what the key stages within that journey is, what the tasks of each stage are, key questions that those users are gonna have, what's the friction points that they're gonna feel. Again, as Johnny mentioned, all of those emotions, the weaknesses, the pain points that we draw upon, but now, rather than just them as a user and as a tenant, now what's the friction points and the weaknesses that they have at each stage of this journey? Because some users are gonna feel very, very confident in one area, but weak in another. And we need to make sure that we empower everybody to feel confident when using your service, because that's gonna instill trust. Um, I think putting learning into action, um, and I think for the, for the last kind of five to 10 minutes of the call, I think it'd be really good just to talk, talk you all through how this actually happens, how this actually comes to play and, and to talk you through some results that we've seen our side certainly um, that prove that it works, if nothing else. Um, and it's, there's a lot of work goes into pulling together these personas and it's not something that happens overnight, but it is something that if you, if you produce it correctly, the whole business will benefit from for years to come. Um, and it's a change in process for the business that, that will allow you guys to, to, to save money, to run a business more efficiently, to run your marketing and comms more efficiently. Um, and certainly as we move towards adoption, self-serve, as users have been forced over the last eight to nine months to move towards a self-serve process, because we've all, been, we've all been forced online and that adoption process has been massively accelerated. How can we continue that? Um, this growth is gonna be 
you know, pretty exponential. Um, so we need to make sure make, make sure we're kind of up to date with our tenants. So Yorkshire Water is a project um, we've worked on over the last couple of years. Um, and similar to, to housing associations, what we find is it's, it's a service led um, business. Um, what they need and what, they, what their goals are for their online journey and their communications is increased customer satisfaction, reduced calls through to call centers, increased efficiency across both customers from a self-serve perspective and internal resource. Um, and, and, and I think I think what we have seen is utilities have went on a, a similar curve um, in terms of digital transformation and adoption to what housing associations are now moving towards. Um, it's quite quite nice to be able to kind of mirror that um, service-led approach to, to digital, to comms, to marketing, to, to kind of platforms, um, because they're about two years, maybe pushing three, ahead of, of where we currently are as housing associations. We want to understand what's working really well for them and their users and how can we benefit from that. So for Yorkshire Water, the, the, the project objectives really, really quickly um, were just to help that user journey, everything we've just talked through um, to make sure that we can encourage self-serve. So to help us encourage self-serve, we, we, we can't do that unless we understand that user journey and we understand who we're actually trying to engage with and who we're trying to improve that user journey for. So we had to do the whole process we've just talked through, we did this at the start of that Yorkshire Water Project, understand our users, understand their friction points, and how can we therefore create an action plan to move towards self-serve. Um, so that user and key stakeholder research, um, again, we focused on kind of signposting all key journeys, key call to actions. We made sure that, that was as obvious on the website as possible. How can we make sure that we point that out in the main navigation to say, we know who you are, we know what your problem is, and we know what you want. And we know what your problem is because we know what you've searched for, we know where you've come from, we know who you are. Um, this is this is your problem, this is your solution. You don't need anything more from us. Um, and if you do, we're here, feel free to get in touch. But if we can reduce that touch point and reliance on call centers, again, it's gonna massively benefit the whole business. Um, we wanna drive engagement through preferred contact methods. So whether that be, we want more people through contact forms, we want more people through social, we want more people through live chat, because again, as a business, is that more efficient for yourselves? Um, we want to understand what the custom service um, sort of traffic requirements are. Um, nobody wants to be, to be fined for more phone calls coming in, um, but certainly nobody wants to make sure that their staff are overworked and unable to actually deal with um, an influx of phone calls. So again, if we can understand all of these objectives, we can make sure that the strategy in the website strategy or the app strategy or the communication strategy aligns to those goals. And the only way that we can do that is understanding our users and why they are getting in touch in the first place and what that common solution has always been. Um, so we wanted to prioritize self-serve. Um, so when we work with Yorkshire Water, um, we managed to actually reduce um, sort of traffic through to the contact us page by 20%. Um, now, I'm sure again, anybody who's, who's kind of on, on the masterclass today will understand that reducing, reducing call center contact or, or contact generally through the business by 20% has a massive impact on efficiency, massive impact on those call center staff, but also the, the, um, the time that that then frees them up not to reduce call center staff by 20%, but the time that it then allows them to actually be able to approach and give more time to the customers that need it and the cases that need it, rather than answering the same question 20 times over. Um, we wanted more people to report online. Um, so within the first quarter of changing this kind of process, we saw a thousand more incident, um, incidences uh, reported online, um, which again was a massive uplift for the business. And that was for them, that was their preferred method of contact. And they, they wanted people to upload that problem through the website because they know that they could actually have, um, speaking to call center staff, they had 
responses that were ready that they could send out. It gave them the time to check what the actual issue was. If it's a, if it's a leak, it might be due to residential work that's going on or, or et cetera. Um, exactly the same across, across your businesses. Everybody is going to be slightly different and everybody is going to want that call to action to be slightly different. But if we understand the problems and we understand the users, we can understand where to signpost them to, to make sure that that aligns with your internal team and resource. Identifying content gaps. We talk about that content audit. Um, and one of the one of the key things here um, was again we had fifteen thousand page visits in that in that first quarter, um, so this was for for people who wanted to understand their bills and they didn't understand what they were getting billed for. Now, if we've had fifteen thousand people come through to now understanding their bills, one we've answered that question and we don't have many people ringing up to say, "What on earth are you charging me for?" or "How much do I actually need to pay you?" What does this say? But also that's going to help massively with finance and, and cash flow within the business because we understand the tenants are actually going to get in touch because they understand what they need to pay really, really simply. And we've answered that question in 30 seconds rather than in half an hour because they've had to wait in queues, they've had to speak to staff, they've had to be transferred across departments um, to then get the answer that we could have written in 30, 40 words on a website in an area that they needed. Therefore, that then leads to an improved customer experience. Um, one of the biggest issues that we found was when speaking to the call center at Yorkshire Water um, and speaking to the tenants and understanding the pages that people were ringing through on, it was all around discoloration in water. Um, <laughs> you'll be the same. If I turn my tap on and it comes out green, it's not normal. I'm not going to drink it. I'm not going to boil my pasta with it. I want to understand what's going on and what's wrong with it. So actually what we understood was from the data, from the, the solutions that were commonly given over the last year, these are the different scenarios that people will come across. We presented them with a picture really, really simply. And we said, if your color is any, if your water is any of these colors, this is why, and this is the solution. This is your self-serve issue. If it's any of these problems, get in touch because we want to understand and we want to prioritize these two problems because we understand that they might be really, really you know, important. They might be really pressing. It might be something that we need to get a repair personnel for straight away. If it's any of the other four, we don't need you to ring in and wait in a call center for 20 minutes to tell you to run your tap for another five minutes. We, you don't need to be told that. And actually, you could have solved the problem before you get through to a member of staff. What we found the impact that was, we had 40% of users exited the website without requiring further contact. Um, again, that's a 40% increase in self-serve through one image about one problem that is part of multiple problems. And if we can start to replicate this process across all the problems that you, you guys have as, as housing associations, um, again, you can see how that impact um, is gonna affect efficiency within, within business. Um, looking forward to, to next year, we're gonna look at personalization groups. Um, and I think that's the, the, the way that the sector is now moving is, um, again, understanding exactly who your user is. We wanna be pushing them through to um, maybe alternative methods different users who were, who have different methods based on their logins, based on their account. How can we drive that unique experience towards them? Um, so if users aren't converting and um, we might want to reinforce a message the next time that they visit, etc. Again, what this all comes down to is we need to understand when a user isn't converting. And the only way we can do that is by setting up tracking and understanding who that user is. Um, I think finally, um, and I'm, I'm conscious of time, and I know we've got sort of a, a few minutes left, is um, home group. Um, hopefully, again, quite relatable to, to, to yourselves being a large housing association based up here in, in the Northeast. Um, home group quite simply wanted to understand who, who their users are, what they do, what do they do offsite, what other influences do they have in their life, and therefore, how can we communicate to them in a way that is relatable? Um, we therefore pulled together, and we, we've talked through this, but we pulled together those kind of user and key stakeholder research. 
all of the methods we've just talked through were something that we that we um, carried out across across the home group project, and that did help us to understand how to better serve our users, who those key stakeholder requirements were, how can we encourage self serve rather than calling in to the call center again. Um, I suppose once we've got all those problems, again, we need to therefore implement that um, this this methodology. So we implemented an onsite feedback mechanism. Um, so it means that. As, as a business, you can kind of constantly monitor user frustration, pain points, um, again, rather than calling it the call center. So what this meant for them was that um, we could have additional content on site for fixes in and around the home, rather than, again, somebody calling in and needing a human to talk them through that process. If you've got in information, you've got how-to videos, you've got blogs, we can answer those questions. We can serve that really, really quickly. Um, when we look at returning users, um, again, there's a couple of screenshots here about a section we, we, we built out. A lot of people are going to ring in because they have a problem. Really quite simply, they have a problem, they need it solving. So we can understand that there's different problems based on data that relate to different areas of the household. So for home group, we pulled together a section that was called I have a problem with. Um, and it might be your bathroom, it might be communal areas, it might be your door, it might be your garden, your bedroom, your kitchen. If we can understand the problem that the room that they're in or the, the, room, that the, the room that the problem is in, we can understand probably what the problem is because we know that from data again, 70% of problems with the bathroom is that we've got a leaky tap. Well, if we can say that I'm in the bathroom and, my, and we could then for, if they click on bathroom and we say, have you got a leaky tap by any chance? Because we reckon that's probably the problem. And they go, yeah, I've got a leaky tap. And we go, well, do you know what? This is how you fix a leaky tap without needing us. That's gonna, for them straight away, they go, all oh, right, great. My problem's solved and it's out of their head and they're not stressing about it anymore. But they've done all of that without having to have any reliance upon you, your call center staff or your repairs team um, it's come at no extra cost to yourselves. And all we've done is just provide them with an answer before they need to have that contact. But it's instilled, instilled that trust in the brand. Um, so we did, we saw a 486% uplift in users visiting the repairs section. However, being able to solve that themselves. I think that's one of the key things here again is it's improving that self-serve. Um, customer service center, again, something we, we, we've talked a lot about. Um, we managed to see a reduction in customer call center contacts, which is great, and that's what we want. Um, what we what we also saw across a lot of the other percentages was that when people when users were calling in, it was because they had a genuine problem, and it was much more of a qualified problem. They understood what the problem was, and they understood probably what the solution that they need is, but they just need to speak to somebody to make sure that it's happened. We are never going to reduce call center contact down to zero. It's not going to happen. People like to phone in. People like to speak to a human, and that is just human nature. However, if we can reduce it in in several instances and um, we can massively improve efficiency across the business so key takeaways um and i think kind of recapping um obviously we want to pull together this, all of this different analysis um we want to use that analysis to pull together personas and user journeys and understand all these friction points that we need and that is going to spit us out our user-centric communication plan per user type um appreciate we we're, we're very close to the end of the call and i hope that was kind of useful um, I don't know if there was any more questions. I think there's there's two come through here. Um, we've got one, which is um, Miro can be quite hard to use, quite confusing unless you're used to it and think like this is set up. Um, sometimes using a simple Google Sheet works better. Absolutely, and I think I know from from your experience, Johnny, <laughs> lived inside spreadsheets when it when it comes to data. Um, What's your view and is there any, any recommendations on kind of using Google Sheets across businesses and, and, and how you would see that work? 
Yeah, look, apologies, because they're doing uh, fixings on the roof here at the minute, um, which is why you can hear the drilling sound. Uh, yeah, I think, obviously, if, if Miro does come across a little bit complicated, then that's absolutely fine. Use whatever makes it comfortable for you, whichever way that you're going to be able to pull together all this data and have it in a space where you're able to sort of see it as a bit of an overview and just take all of that in. The last thing you want to do is you, you use a way, a method of, of pulling this together where it kind of leads you to missing out on key bits of data and things like that. But yeah, if, if Google Sheets or anything like that is, is a way that you find easier to do, 100% go for it. Like yeah. it, it's all about just making sure that we, we've looked at all the data, I've pulled it all together and we have a deeper understanding of our users. Yeah, and I think, I think that's it. And as long as it's in a format that is translatable across the business, um, it's not just yourself that's going to be using it. This needs to become a tool for the rest of the business to feed into and utilize. Um, but absolutely, I think, I think it's a really, really good point. And, and people need to be familiar with, with the tools that they use um, and comfortable with it so that that can, that can be sort of adopted across the business internally as well. Um, Kate, I appreciate we're, we're down to the last minute. So hopefully that was, that was everything. I think if anybody else has got any more questions, please feel free to kind of reach out. Um, I'm more than happy to answer anything or kind of go through any, any other questions. Um, but really appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I think really interesting presentation, as you say, and given that the government's um, launched the social housing white paper this week and the, the new focus that government's certainly going to have on, on tenants going forward, you can really see how this would support your ambition to kind of make sure that satisfaction is as high as it possibly can be. But no, dead, dead interesting. I had a load of questions, but we are out of time and I'm <laughs> from their lunch and um, but we'll let you know when when we've got the next session in the series organized and just really hope we see you all again then and huge thanks to joe and johnny really enjoyed that thank you lovely thanks for having us kate really appreciate it thank, thank you. you very much take Cheers care all. everyone